Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're discovering what the scripture teaches regarding doctrine and theology. You know, things that a lot of Christians think are too difficult to tackle, too hard to understand, and too out of reach. And we're always attempting to do this in a way that is applicable to the lives we live. We do this because we agree with what C.S. Lewis once said, a man can't be always defending the truth. There must be a time to feed on it. And that's what we hope happens with you and honestly us as we meet together on this podcast, that the word will feed us because we want to help you be strong in your faith, knowledgeable in and of the word and growing in your love for Jesus. Today is our third episode in our series, Ecclesiology, the Doctrine of the Church. In episodes 61, 62, and 63, we discussed how the church is like a flock and a fellowship and a body. Today, we'll discuss how the church is like a bride. You know, you're saying all that. And I'm just realizing this is the 64th podcast we've done. That's a lot. It is a lot. Man, that's, yeah. I wonder if we'll ever get to triple digits. Oh, we'll get to well, triple digits. Well, we're in triple digits now because we write at 064. So <laughs> That's true. It just gives a little extra a number, umph right? <laughs> into it. Yeah, for sure. We'll but, see if we get to triple digits if people stick with us that long. Yeah, and Kitchen Table Theologians, I just want to say thanks. Over the last week, just out and about or a text or a DM or something, you're letting me know that you're listening, appreciating the podcast, and that means a lot to Jen and I. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much for doing that. That puts fuel in the podcast tank for us. For sure. To keep going. So yeah, Jen, we're talking about today the church being like a bride, and I wonder what are some of your memories of being a bride? Little girls wait their whole lives. They get it all amped up. Are you tearing up? No. I'm oh, just, you look like I'm you were tearing thinking. up. <laughs> I'm just were thinking. you crying because it was bad or was it good? Or no, no? I, I actually cry in thankfulness several times that I did not plan a wedding during the Pinterest era because <laughs> I didn't have to put up a board. I didn't. And I, I probably would have gone insane. You would have gone overboard. I think I would have because, you know, we had a budget and all those kind of things. But I, Fred and I and my husband talk all the time about how many things we would have done differently. And let's face it, how many things I would have done differently. I remember crying that the exact shade of pink in the candy coated Martha Stewart almonds was out of stock, and I had to go with a darker shade of pink. Horrors. And now I think, let's just set up some folding tables in the backyard, there get a donut board, and call it a day. So I think there were a lot of things I would have done differently. And I think that the Lord kind of humbled me a little bit in that because we had everything planned out minute by minute, this beautiful outdoor wedding in northern Florida. The weekend of the TPC. And if you know anything about Northern Florida well and the done. weekend of the TPC, yeah. you the know whole world's there. it's going to rain at mm. least one of those days. So it rained and our outdoor wedding became an indoor wedding. Plan and B. Plan B. Good thing we had one. but A lot of people don't have a plan B, I found. I've discovered. We the had years. some friends here in Common yeah. get married just a few weeks ago and they did not have a plan B. And, and it they, chucked it down it in buckets. Did. But you know what? 
Everybody they got married. Time. They got still married. married. And we ended up experiencing the same thing. Great wedding, great ceremony, great time with our friends. And supposedly it's good luck that it rains on your wedding day. Really? I think somebody made That's that up. That's only created by ago. somebody's <laughs> wedding got rained on. Supposedly it's it's the rain is supposed to be the the shower, shower of wealth blessing oh well yeah, so right. how, how'd that work out for yeah you? well you know that hasn't really worked <laughs> out for us you know two teachers in the family and somebody <laughs> in ministry so you know but speaking of ministry and weddings and the combination of the two you've officiated a lot of weddings over the I, years yeah in 38 years i've officiated dozens and dozens of weddings well in addition to your own children's I've paid for three. You've paid for three. Yeah. But I bet there's got to be a wealth of stories in there about officiating weddings. Yeah. And my wife's a wedding planner. That's right. That's right. So she has a lot of stories too. Mm -hmm. Bridezilla's mother-in-law's. It's amazing. I, yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) There's been a lot of crazy things. Speaking outdoor weddings, I was was doing an outdoor wedding uh, one afternoon, Saturday afternoon. It was a beautiful day, Mm -hmm. actually. And as I was leading them in the vows, a manure spreader went behind me about 50 yards. And so the entire congregation got to, as they're saying, you know, their wedding vows, the guy is spreading manure. In sickness and in health. And then it goes by. I kind of paused and we all had a chuckle and we let the guy go by. And there's no way he didn't see us, right? 15 minutes later, here he comes back again. That was the same wedding where, you know, you always say so-and-so have agreed to, you know, commit one another by the giving and receiving of a ring. Mm -hmm. And you talk about how the ring is a symbol of unending love and the gold represents the purity of your love for one another and all that stuff. And uh, do you have a ring? And he says, yes, I do. And he puts the ring on his finger with this ring I thee wed. And I looked at her and I said, do you have a ring? And she turned, she just blanched. Oh, no. And his ring was in the car, in the parking lot. Oh, no. So she did not have a did ring to give him. she run out and get it? Like, be right no. back. <laughs> and so his dad, who was his best man, starts, I'll give you my ring. So he starts pulling it. Well, he... I don't think the man had his ring off in three decades. He couldn't get the oh, ring off. I was off. going to be impressed if so he got it off. He's up there licking the knuckle of his oh, ring finger trying word. to. <laughs> so we had, ended up getting it. And the guy that was getting married didn't have hands. He had paws. Oh, gosh. So the ring only <laughs> went over like the first knuckle. <laughs> well, that's in style now. Yeah. When it's like a little... So he just held oh, on to it. Goodness. And yeah, that, that was all a precursor for. How everything eventually went for those two, unfortunately. Oh, that's but a shame. I'm just still yeah. picturing that guy on his on a spreader in the back. I got a job to do. <laughs> that's I'm right. Get it done. He was on a Massey Ferguson tractor pulling a manure spreader and then turned it on. That was that. Oh, that was goodness. the and so manure is flying up in the air, <laughs> and we're all standing out there trying to have a beautiful, beautiful wedding. So. Oh my goodness! Well, with <laughs> that wonderful picture in mind, let's make a let's make a switch. Let's make a transition. How is the church? Like the bride of Christ. <laughs> That's really. <we're, laughs> I got to get us back on track. We just need to make a quick break here and go right into theology. Well, sorry about that, kitchen table theologians. How is the church like the bride, or how is the church the bride of Christ? Well, to answer that, Jen, I, I need your help here. Maybe, maybe you'll read some of the verses that talk about this, if you wouldn't mind. And sure. Several places in the Bible, 
use the imagery of marriage to describe the relationship between Christ and the church. And the church is many times referred to as the bride of Christ. So let's start with, now this one's a little longer of a passage, but it's Ephesians 5, 22 to 32. And it's said in the context of marriage between a husband and wife, but that's said in the context of the marriage relationship between Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorified church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So that's Ephesians 5, and that uses the example of Jesus' relationship to the church as instructive for our marriages here on earth. Ephesians 5.23 talks about the husband being the leader of the family and compares that to Christ being the head of the church. Verse 24 notes that the church is to submit to Christ, and the comparison here involves the submission of a godly wife to a loving husband. Verses 25 to 27 describe how Christ loves the church, gave his life for the church, and likewise husbands were to love our wives unconditionally, without limits, we're told Christ loves the church as he loves himself. Likewise, a husband's to love his wife as himself, considering their marriage as one body. So that Ephesians 5 passage on marriage teaches us that mutual love and respect form the basis for a very God-honoring marriage. And likewise, Christ's love for the church and the church's love and respect for Christ form the basis for a God-honoring church. So again, it's that twofold response. and gives us to think about something here in our earthly relationships and then also in our relationship with Christ. And there were even some references in there into the body of Christ as we are members of his body, and that's what we talked about in our last, last podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah. So There's another passage in 2 Corinthians 11 too, and that gives us a similar look at Jesus as the groom. And the church is the bride. So, Jen, if you'd read 2 Corinthians 11, 2, please. Sure. And here Paul writes, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. So Paul uses that analogy of the bride again to show his love for the Corinthian believers. So that's who he's writing to, this church at Corinth, who they were a messed up lot, those people. But he, you know, he was really, really working so hard with them. And so he served the role as their spiritual father. And he said, I'm offering you, the church, to Christ. You're the bride, and he is the groom. Now, elsewhere, the New Jerusalem, you know, we're talking about the millennial kingdom now, the New Jerusalem described in Revelation 21, that's also called a bride. Hmm. It's the place where all of God's people will dwell with him for all eternity. And the beauty, as you read through um, Revelation 21, the beauty of that bride is beautiful. Now, the New Jerusalem is not the bride of Christ, but it complements Ephesians 5 in showing this loving relationship between Christ and his people. And the marriage relationship 
And I always try to bring this out whenever I do a wedding ceremony or work, you know, do premarital counseling with a, a, a couple. I always try to bring this out that the relationship of Christ and his church is the model for us as husband and wife. The marriage relationship rightly practiced reflects many of the ways Jesus loves his people and the church as its husband, as its bridegroom. Mm -hmm. And I always think about that analogy often displayed. It's a little triangle analogy often displayed in premarital counseling and those types of things where the husband and wife are at the bottom edges of the triangle and they grow closer to each other as they grow toward Christ, as they move toward Christ. And so again, it's that reciprocal type relationship that they are. So that's really, really interesting. So where did this metaphor of the bride begin? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think maybe the way to answer that is not necessarily by looking first where we see the church referred to as a bride, but where Jesus is referred to as a bridegroom first, because he was referred to as a bridegroom before the church was ever referred to as a bride. The first person to picture Christ as a groom was John the Baptist in chapter 3 of John's gospel. So John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, and John knew that he said it himself, I must decrease as he, Jesus, must increase. So in what John was saying, Christ is a groom, and at that point, the bride was the messianic community. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it still is. The messianic community is certainly a part of the church. So John was the groom's friend. Actually, John was the groom's cousin. <laughs> so he rejoiced to attend this heavenly wedding feast where Jesus and his bride are united. The Bible talks about that. You know, every marriage should be a cause for celebration, but the marriage between Christ and his church is something for the entire universe to celebrate for all eternity. And the Bible talks about that in the book of Revelation. I think we're going to hit on that in just a second. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, we can draw some analogies there because in modern marriage culture, we can get really excited about the celebration and sometimes forget about the foundation of the marriage, just as we can get caught up in the things of the church and forget about our relationship with Christ. There are so many illustrative or illustrative, wherever you're from, (laughs) pictures in a wedding ceremony that show us the relationship of Christ to his church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's we don't see it, I think, every day in any given wedding you go to, but there's reasons for all of that. You know, the white of the bride, the purity of the bride, symbolizing the purity of the church, mm-hmm. the bridegroom preparing everything and being ready and waiting for her to come as Christ, mm-hmm. waiting for us to come to him and to into his kingdom all the way down to the celebration afterwards, because we're going to see what the Bible calls the great marriage supper of the Lamb Mm -hmm. one of these days. This whole deal with the bride, we primarily get this metaphor from the Apostle Paul. Now, we just looked at one of the main passages from Ephesians, and he wrote that. And we also see the metaphor being used by the Apostle John. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 21, he pictures the church as, quote, the bride, the lamb's wife, Hmm. and all of her eschatological glory, all of her end times glory. And we'll do a whole season on the podcast in future months on the end times. John paints a portrait 
of the church for us, especially prominent. He talks about her being dressed in white, her clothes indicating a blameless character. Among the promises given to the local churches at the beginning of the apocalypse are that those who overcome, he says, will be clothed in white garments and allowed into God's presence. There's the bride coming into the presence of the groom. Those martyred in the martyred for their faith in Christ will be given a white robe, Revelation chapter 6. A multitude from the nations comes out of the great tribulation wearing robes made white in the blood of the Lamb. So the glorious church is blessed because it will be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we'll be dressed and you'll see uh, if you're there, and I hope to be there. I think you know we're Christians will be there. You'll see um, the church given fine linen, clean and bright. Uh, Revelation 19 says to represent her righteous acts. So this whole idea of purity of the bride we see very heavily played out in Revelation 19, Revelation 20, Revelation 21, all connected to the marriage feast, the marriage supper. Of the Lamb, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to know. I love the the exact wording of that. Made white in the blood of the Lamb, mm. because it is only because of Christ that the bride can be presented in that manner. That the bride can be pure and made holy. Yeah, that that has to happen. Yeah, first that that's a part of that. And you know, when he said this is the bride of the Lamb, what we're seeing here now taking place in the millennial kingdom is. Jesus dwelling among his people, and it's the church in all of its glory. The church is the bride of the Lamb, and this is the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, who judges in righteousness, and who lives with his people forever. And all of these references to the church of the bride of Christ indicate proximity between Christ and his church. There's an intimacy with his bride, and it's talked about and characterized by righteousness, purity, faithfulness, their marriage is, is worthy of the most wonderful wedding celebration ever, one that will begin the new millennial age. Hmm. So let me see if I can summarize this from what I've just heard. Take a deep breath. <laughs> the church as the bride of Christ is compared to the husband and wife relationship in marriage. And there is a marriage between Christ and his church. Right. And I, I don't know, maybe it's better to say the husband and wife relationship in an earthly marriage is compared to the marriage relationship mm-hmm. between Christ's church. It's mm-hmm. six of one, half dozen of the other. But mm-hmm. we don't know what marriage is as humans without knowing what the relationship between Jesus and his church. Oh, for sure. You know? For sure. And would it be true to say that the place the church is in right now, waiting for the bridegroom to come, if we're going to spin this analogy out even farther, would this be the in- engagement period would we say that could we say uh, yeah, that we're yeah we're in a time now between the first and second advent of christ he has come he's lived he's died was buried rose again and that then now we are in the church age and there will come a time when jesus comes again so we are in this waiting period so i think to compare this to an engagement period yes and no the church we're already the bride so that makes it a little bit different but it's a good point that you make. You know, in, in the Eastern weddings of Jesus's day, at the engagement, the bride received the promise of future blessing with her husband. That was part of the deal. And so in similar fashion, the church today, it could be understood, is an espoused bride, a promised bride. There was a sense that you weren't a bride until you went through the marriage ceremony. But when we become believers in Jesus, 
we become part of the bride of Christ. But now the bride is simply waiting for the bridegroom to return, awaiting, our, you know, as it were, our husband's return from the glories of heaven. And so now we await then the wedding itself when the bridegroom Jesus comes to take us, the bride, with him. Yeah, and the analogy there is that we really are, as a church, we're right now in a waiting period. We are awaiting the return of the bridegroom, Jesus. And then, among many other things following his return, there's that thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then there's all the glory of the millennial mm-hmm. kingdom. Something that I'm sure we'll dive a little bit deeper into when we study the doctrine of, what did you call it again? Eschatology. Eschatology, the study of the end the times. End times. Yeah. So before we wrap up, Pastor Jeff, any final thoughts? Uh, I think I'd just say maybe that the major teaching of the picture of the bride and groom that we see in all of that is it's a reminder of the demonstration of Christ's limitless love for us. You know, when Christians who are his church fail to live by his standards and thereby fail to show our love to him, it's concluded we don't love him. But the root problem is that we fail to realize how much he loves us. The scriptures are clear. Christ loves us us in spite of ourselves, and not because of what we do or how we express our love to him, but because Jesus is God, and I think it's in First John we read, and God is love. So as human marriage involves intimacy, this heavenly picture we have before us today reflects an intimate relationship between Christ and his church. And Paul said it himself. He said, we're members of his body, and then here you get into that intimacy of his flesh and of his bones. You know, the marriage concept talked about in the Old Testament, you're my wife now, you're my husband now, I'm bone of your bones, flesh of your flesh. And Paul carries that over into Ephesians 5.30, members of his body, of his flesh, of his mm-hmm. bones. And yet another example, as we often try to bring people back to, of how applicable the word is, that this is another example of how we are to have godly marriages, the, the standard that we are supposed to bring in when goodness, we live in a culture that definitely does not lay that out right. for us. When it gets hard, you walk. Sure. There is no no understanding of unconditional or grace. or. And I think another application is, you you know, it just reminds us of how wide, strong, high, deep, unfailing, unconditional is the love of Christ for us and that nothing can separate us mm-hmm. from that love, which is in Christ Jesus. The width and the depth right. and the, the measure of that. Well, hey, this has been a great one, a great time with you guys today. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please recommend this podcast to your friends and family and do share it on social media. Also, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating or two. They really help us get the word about kitchen table theology out there. Please check out today's episode notes for further information. And don't forget to head over to jeffcranston.com where you may freely access our podcast archives and other resources to help your faith journey, like Pastor Jeff's sermons, his books, and his blog. Our next podcast on the topic of ecclesiology is the church as a family. And we will leave you today. And as we do, we want to encourage you to remember that the real power of theology is not just knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? 
We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.